A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Justin, don't you love having a clean set of balls? Do we mean footballs? No, I mean my testicles. Justin, when I used to trim little Ryan, it was a risky job. My shaver would often cut me, and so the whole experience was rather unpleasant. Is it similar for you? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's usually quite uncomfortable. Well, it doesn't have to be this way, because Manscaped have now launched in the UK. They are the ball shaving specialists. I've had a go on one of their trimmers, and it is a dream. It's designed specifically with your balls in mind. That means less accidents and a much smoother shave. Also, it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower, and it's got an LED light, so you can see what you're doing. Justin, let me tell you, it's a life changer. That sounds amazing. Where can I get one? I'm glad you asked. Go to manscaped.com, and because you're a listener of this superb podcast, you can get 20% off plus free shipping if you use the code SECONDTIER. That's one word. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use the code SECONDTIER. Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Preston Away my Preston at home. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. Justin, how are you doing on this fair day? I'm doing brilliantly. The weather is miserable though. It's raining. Oh yeah, but, it's awful. Know, football, football makes you feel a bit warmer inside and we saw some great goals this week. We did, we did. We saw loads of great goals, saw loads of red cards again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the championship is still rocking and the fixtures are coming thick and fast, but we love it. We love it here on the Second Tier Podcast. That's where you are today. And this is another midweek edition of the Second Tier. For any new listeners, it's a very streamlined version of the normal show, where we straight up just go through the results, all the news and other things we say for Sunday's show. So make sure you tune in then. Let's kick off, Justin, with Wickham, because they finally got a point. They drew one all with Watford. Wickham's starting eleven cost absolutely nothing to put together in terms of transfer fees. Watford's cost fifty-nine million pounds. A heroic performance from Gareth Ainsworth's boys, but they were unlucky not to snatch all three points, weren't they? Because they had a goal controversially disallowed. Justin, <laughs> you start to you are starting. To, well, I'm starting to feel sorry for Wickham because it does seem to go against them. But you know, it's another disallowed goal. They had one the other week that shouldn't have been disallowed against Millwall which might have got them a first point or, or a win. Um, but as well as that, they had they created numerous opportunities here against against Watford. Akin Fenwell missed an open goal, for example. You know, it's they, they, there are small elements of good play coming out of this Wigan team, which we haven't seen um, so far yet. And obviously the last three games, I think it's, it's been a big turning point for Wigan. Yeah, it was another performance from Wigan, which I would class as very good. Mm. They were, they're getting better and better and... A win looks like it's on the horizon. And this is coming from the guy who said a few weeks ago that he wasn't (laughs) sure Wickham were going to win all season. Uh, Their next two games are Wednesday and Birmingham. You'd think they'd have to get something from those games. But the way they're going at the moment, I would not rule it out at all. Uh, From a Watford perspective, though, Justin, 
This was a shocking performance. Wickham had all the better chances. And the amount of quality Watford have got on their side, that just should not happen, should it? No, definitely not. Um, they, as you said, there's a lot of quality in this team. And Ben Foster, for me, was, was man of the match. Um, for Watford, he kept he kept them in the game. A couple of really key saves. You know they've they've almost doubled the amount of passes um, Wickham have made, but they've not turned that that into into goals, which is I think they've they've struggled with really. You know they they won't want to look. For example, you should be at least trying to well not trying to at least making it two 0 against a team that you, you you dwarf in terms of quality, and that's no disrespect to Wickham. Watford have just come down from the Premier League. They've got um, they've got Saar up front, for example, and, and Pedro. There's there's enough quality in this team to put teams away, and they just they haven't been doing it. It cost them at the weekend, and it's cost them um, cost them this week as well against Wickham. Mental that two two years ago they're in the FA Cup final, and now they're drawing to Wickham. Uh, I know I said at the weekend that with the names Watford have got, they could very well be flying soon. But I look at this performance, and you've got to question the hunger of some of these Watford players because having watched this game, I saw one side who wanted it a hell of a lot more than the other, and mm-hmm. Watford. They need to book their ideas up because some of these players should be in the Premier League, but they were second best against a side who looked destined to be in League One next season. It was a shocking performance. Vladimir Ivic needs to get them to pull their finger out soon because if they do have any aspirations of bouncing straight back into the Premier League, if they keep putting in performances like this, that's definitely not going to happen, is it? No. Uh, Blackburn 2, Reading 4. Ainsley Pears made his Blackburn debut here and picked the ball out of the net after nine seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Inspiring, Justin. <laughs> it's, um, the, the goal was comical, wasn't it? That's why I'm just oh, laughing about it, thinking. <laughs> yeah, for anyone who's not seen it, the ball got hoofed up the pitch. It's bounced off. I think it was Barry, Barry Douglas's Douglas. foot. Yeah. For some reason, Ainsley Piers has gone walkies. Uh, yeah. And um, I can't remember who put it away. Was it Xiao? It was uh, Mete, I think. Mete just passed it into the net. Bizarre goal, but. The headline from this game, Reading scored from all of their shots on target again. In fact, they only had one shot that didn't go in. Uh, Justin, I think everyone wants to hear my thoughts on this from a Reading perspective. But uh, what are your thoughts, first off? Um, I'm I'm really impressed from a, a Reading perspective. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> they were a bit lucky with the first. A little bit. <laughs> Just a bit. Just a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think naturally Reading will regress, but not to the extent that you, that you might think. You know, it's impossible to maintain this type of form, but defensively, as I said at the weekend, they're very st- they're very strong and they're, they're stopping teams from entering their area, essentially. You know, they're not allowing teams to build into their box and um, opposition aren't turning uh, their possession. You know, Blackburn, again, had 60% possession, for example. They aren't turning possession into chances. And a good example of that is, is Derby away. You know, a good possession team counted them every time uh, and obviously to back this up they've conceded the lowest joint lowest amount of shots from inside the box so defensively they're very strong and, and going forward you know they can win 1-0 etc but they're the best defensive team in the in the league for me and you know good teams are built on strong foundations from my perspective absolutely nothing has changed I watched this game live and uh, Blackburn should have scored more if they were as clinical as Reading were then they would have scored about 7 because Reading sat back throughout the whole game and whenever they did go forwards, they scored. It's quite frankly remarkable. And I tell you what, fair play to Lucas Xiao and Meite for suddenly both having the finishing ability of Harry Kane because <laughs> Xiao in particular is doing very well for a striker whose best season before this was just 10 goals. But the clinical fish- finishing this Reading side is showing 
it just can't carry on. It simply can't. I think I saw yesterday I put a stat on where 27% of Reading shots have gone in. The next best in the league is Bristol City on 14%. It's remarkable. The the way they're putting away their chances, it's just insane. And I I strongly maintain they will slide down the table. It might not start against Coventry at the weekends because they've been very poor recently. But it is going to happen at some point. And if there is one thing I learned from this game, it's that they can be got at defensively. Blackburn should have scored more. They were the better team throughout the game. And over the course of the season, they will leak goals, I think, Reading. Even though they have started the season extremely well. Uh, Reading defender Tom McIntyre tweeted two letters after the result, Justin. XG. He was then promptly deleted. So it's making me question whether I'm actually motivating the Reading squad to prove me wrong. So essentially, this whole run of form is down to me. They should be thanking me instead of hurling abuse at me. <laughs> well, Ryan, you motivate me every day. So. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Reading six points clear at the top of the championship now. Uh, Blackburn, as mentioned, should have done better. Should have put away more of the chances, really. Uh, mm-hmm. Swansea have swanned up to third after a 3-0 win over Stoke. Jay Fulton amongst the goals. A lovely half volley with the outside of his foot. Did you see it? I did. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, he meant it, but I don't know if he meant it that well. You know what I mean? I think he was maybe just trying to hit it towards goal, but instead he's yeah. hit the post and gone in. It was, so, it was so casual. Yeah. It was quite spectacular at the same time. Uh, in the end, this was a fairly comfortable win for the Swans. Quite surprising, really, because Stoke have just started to look good in their last couple of games, while it's been the opposite for Swansea. Uh, having said that, the Swans being third, I wouldn't say it's undeserved, Justin. They're looking no. good both going forwards and at the back, which often tends to be quite useful in football. <laughs> uh, the only issue very recently has been converting those good performances into results. Yeah. No, I completely agree. They, 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 are, they are capable of stuttering a little bit. Um, and they, they did it last season, which is why they fell away from the automatics, you know, and, you know, promptly fell away from the playoffs at one point as well. Um, but, you know, with it, with an extra year and a, I think there are more. They are better off this season than they were last season. For example, you know, Manning's a tidy signing. Jamal Lowe up front. I really like him up front because, again, a bit like Saar for Watford at the weekend, he's got the ability to peel away and physically. I think he's got the makeup of a striker as well. So for me, it's a very good decision, given that they they don't have anybody else there, and him and Au aren't natural strikers. They aren't number nines. So it's again really hard to predict from a defensive point of view. How they're going to play? Are they going to peel out wide? Are they going to drop off? It, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks for for opposition teams for this Swansea team. And as you say, I think Steve Cooper is one of the, I think he's one of the best coaches in the division, in my in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And um, having that and a good team is, you know, a playoff push is 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 likely for this team. I think. Yeah, I would disagree with Cooper being one of the best coaches in the league. Um, one thing that someone pointed out to us on Twitter this week is that you've got to bear in mind this Swansea team, when you look at it from a wider perspective, they've lost Brewster, they've lost Gallagher, yeah. they've lost Roden. Three massive players, especially mm-hmm. at championship level, and here they are third in the table at the moment. It's very impressive indeed. Yeah. Uh, three tough games coming up, though, before the international break. Blackburn, Brentford and Norwich. If they come out of those games with six points, then I'll be feeling very positive about mm-hmm. Steve Cooper's boys. Uh, Stoke started this game with three left-backs on the pitch. An interesting move by Michael O'Neill. Either way, 
it was a poor performance really, just their second loss of the season. They've got Rotherham at the weekend, so a chance for O'Neill's side to make amends. Uh, Millwall are fourth after a 2-0 win away at Preston. It means Preston have lost all four of their games at home this season. And we'll get onto that in just a sec, Justin, because we'll start off talking about Millwall, who had defender Alex Pearce in the dugout with the oh, rest wow. of the coaching staff including Gary Rowett, self-isolating because of coronavirus. He was the one in charge. Uh, and it resulted in one hell of a performance because they beat Preston quite comfortably, didn't they? They did, they did. And um, this is a, this is a really good away performance from Millwall. You know, they set up with three at the back again and it's something that, that works for them. Murray Wallace, for me, I don't think is a... Is a he's not a natural left-back. I think he's more central, centrally-minded. Um, so I think having him uh, on the left side certainly helps the balance of things because other than Cooper... You know he's the only left foot centre half, um, and that gives Romeo Malone license to get forward. And they are good wing backs on their day, especially Malone. Um, and yeah, as you say, a good performance. And Kenneth Sahor getting his first is is a, is a big, big positive for for him because you know you'd have thought he'd have lost his confidence after that yeah, terrible, wanted- terrible shot. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring up Zahor because even though he did hit the corner flag with one of his shots, as you say, mm-hmm. uh, he seemed to make a real difference going forwards. And he made his first start up top for Millwall, but he brings a lot more to this side than the likes of Matt Smith and Tom Bradshaw yeah, in yeah. terms of holding up the ball, bringing others into play and having a go himself. They've struggled attack-wise so far, but they look a lot better with him there, don't they? Uh, but the one thing I want to highlight is the back line because... They were superb in particular. Hutchinson, Wallace and Cooper, rock solid. Cooper especially. I've always been a big fan of Jake Cooper, Justin. Oh, yes. He is a Rolls-Royce defender. For someone who has been in this Millwall side for quite a while now, he's someone who's very underrated by people outside of the den. For me, he's a Premier League defender. He's absolutely class and there aren't too many better than him. At this level, he reads the game brilliantly, unbeatable in the air, capable with the ball at his feet. He's the complete package, and it's worth pointing out, he's still only 25, and he just gets better and better. And while he's at Millwall, they're always going to be very solid at the back, because he is superb. Uh, Three very winnable games coming up for Millwall, Huddersfield, Norwich, and Wednesday. That's just before the international break, so hopefully they can build some momentum heading into that. Um, It's so bizarre to me how Preston can have a gigantic contrast between their home and away form, especially with no fans in the ground. But Preston, four losses out of four at home, unbeaten away. How on earth does that make sense, Justin? It, it, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. <laughs> and um, that, that I might tell you a bit of a story about Preston this season, as I think I think they're, they're sort of nailed on for a mid-table finish. I think playoffs might be might be in the sights but I think it's just a, a bit too far away this season for them they've not been able to invest in the squad other than Jakobsen you know it's it's been it was been, it was a difficult a difficult pre-season for them and uh, and it's starting to show a little bit and as you say the the contrast between home and away records this season to last season is just absolutely bizarre and um you know they've got the worst home record I think in the in the league now um, which is quite quite damn well, yeah because they've not won exactly <laughs> they haven't got a point yet um <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't rule Preston out of finishing the playoffs just yet I think with a Jakobsen who has looked relatively tidy so far he didn't have a great game against Millwall we've pocketed by Cooper but he could come good uh, the only concern I'd have for me is that there are teams who look a lot better at the moment well, I, I could yeah. pick 
at least six teams who I think would fi- would finish in the playoffs ahead <coughs> of Preston at the moment, maybe even more. Uh, they're at home again this weekend, so definitely one to keep an eye on. No idea how that's going to go. <laughs> uh, new Barnsley manager Valerian Ishmael got off to a winning start by beating QPR 3-0. I'll tell you what, Justin, he's got a lovely voice. It's very deep and smooth, and he's got a really nice fre- French accent as well. I just wanted to voice an audio book for me to fall asleep <laughs> to each night. But Fair anyway, um, this game all went to shit for QPR following Rob Dickey's sending off in the 26th minute. From that point, it was all one-way traffic, really. Fairly comfortable for Barnsley in the end for what was their first win of the season as a whole, Justin. Yeah, no, uh, you, you, you're spot on there. You know, Barnsley were very much comfortable and obviously the, 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 the red card does, does change it, but it has to be a wake-up call for, for QPR. You know, this team has had investment. I've seen some fans on Twitter say, you know, they've not had any money coming in, but they have. They've spent more money this season than they have in any of the previous four or five, I think. Um, as I say, there's just no argument for it. And as I mentioned, going down to 10 men is not going to help. Um, but they've scored two goals in their last six games. You know, was was Ibrecci easy that important to this team? Surely not. You know, they've, they've recruited well. You know, and I think they probably had one of the better windows out of the out of the division. They've they've plugged gaps. They've added depth in wide areas. They've got a good ball playing centre half in Dickey, and they've got two two good strikers in my books in Dykeson and Macaulay Bond. Um, so so what's what's going wrong? You know what's going wrong? Um, Warburton will be under pressure to start delivering, but the players have got to book up book up here. Otherwise, they're going to be in for a very long and difficult season. Mm, I'd agree with that. It was a fairly dismal day at the office as a whole, wasn't it? Because yeah. bright to say Samuel was left out of the QPR squad mm. after rejecting a new contract. Then you have this result, Yuan Barbe scoring one of the best own goals of the season so far. If you haven't seen it yet, I seriously urge you to do so. It is very funny. Um, but yeah, it's kind of compounded QPR season as a whole, hasn't it? Seven yeah. points from a possible 24 and they appear to be getting worse, which is the most concerning thing. Uh, but let's not take anything away from Barnsley, Justin. Corley Woodrow in particular has really started to hit form, hasn't he? He's contributed four goals in his last four games now. And when he's getting going, he's really important to this Barnsley side, isn't he? So Valerie and Ishmael will be very happy with the way things have started off up in Yorkshire. Speaking of Yorkshire, there was a Yorkshire derby on Wednesday night, which finished Rotherham 3, Wednesday nil. The highlight of this game for Wednesday was when a drone flying near the stadium temporarily stopped play. That was the highlight because as soon as it started again, they conceded. So (laughs) there you go. Uh, You've got to say, if there was a performance of midweek, then you'd give it to Rotherham because they battered Wednesday, didn't they? And they could have scored more. They they did. It's been coming from a Rotherham perspective, hasn't it? Let's be honest. You know, they've... They've been in, I'd say they've been in the majority of their games this season, bar, bar one or two. Um, they, they've had some bad luck in, well not bad luck, but some, some elements of poor defending which has allowed teams back into it. And they exploited Wednesday so easily here, um, so, so easily. And, you know, it's gone very, very sour for, for Sheffield Wednesday very, very quickly. Yeah, it's the Millers' first win since the opening day when they beat Wickham. The victory also creates a four-point gap between them and the bottom three, so let's see if they can capitalise on the performance against Stoke at the weekend. Um, But let's talk about Wednesday, because this was easily their worst performance of the season, even though they were down to 10 men for more than half a game. It suddenly put Gary Monk massively under pressure again. He was under pressure after 
what happened in the second half of last season where mm-hmm. it all went completely wrong. But then this fairly good start seemed to have eased the pressure a bit, but now the last few results have powered it all back on again, Justin. Um, what, what do you make of the situation? I've seen plenty of Wednesday fans calling for his head. Mm-hmm. Where would you go with this? It's it's an interesting one because to, to start with, I was a, I was a fan of the, the appointment. For me, it was a safe appointment. Um, after obviously Steve Bruce and a, and a good start last season under Lee Bullen um, <clears throat> and obviously when you compound the fact that they've lost three games on the bounce in the midst of this points deduction you quite rightly pointed out the other week that a bad run of form will make this this overturning this points deduction really really difficult um, so you've got to say you know, okay what's the issue I like the squad for me it's, it's, a, it's a very well balanced squad they recruited well again they recruited very well especially towards the end of the window um, you know they've got a sturdy defence, a balanced midfield, and and an okay attack. You know it's not the best, but it's not the worst. Um, but since Gary Monk was appointed, they've played forty-seven games. He's won just five at home and fourteen altogether. It's not great. Um, they're they're nineteenth when it comes to points accumulation since he came in, um, which you know when you compare it to Neil Harris, uh, Gary Rowett, and Michael O'Neill, who were uh, appointed at a similar time. <laughs> it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, for me, I don't think Gary Monk has got this side going, and obviously this run of form now, any more defeats, and you've got to say a relegation might be a certainty. Well, relegation was always the most likely possibility for Wednesday, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Just because of that points deduction. And we saw with Wigan last season, even though they were so good in the second half of last season, that points deduction just does so much. 12 points doesn't sound like much on paper, but it actually is, isn't it? Because it takes a hell of a lot to overcome that. Um, yeah. But something needs to turn around at Wednesday, doesn't it? Because they've pretty much got to go one better, or a lot better, than all the teams who are going to be down there if they have any chance of staying up this season. So it's very tricky for mm-hmm. Gary Monk, even even before that, especially because of all the form that they had from the second half of last season. Right, Justin, let's take a break. After that, we'll have a chat about Middlesbrough, Bournemouth and Blues. It's a little-known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of classic football shirts here because they offer you classic football shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in-store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast at the Riverside Stadium. Middlesbrough beat Coventry 2-0 thanks to two late goals from Britt Asombolonga and Jed Spence. Uh, You could have argued that Middlesbrough should have wrapped it up sooner, but Coventry, in truth, never really troubled Neil Warnock's boys, did they, Justin? No, it was it was a top win, top win for Borough, um, and I think that's more to do with the organisation of this Borough team than it would be Coventry mounting attack. Obviously, Coventry's form has hit an absolute slide over the last few weeks, and they're conceding goals 
very, very easily while not scoring many, which, as we've pointed out many times on this podcast, it helps to score goals and not concede any. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're in poor shape, but Borough exploited them very, very nicely. And as I say, it's a good win. And it highlights the job Neil Warnock has done. They were in poor shape in pre-season, you know. They're, they're, but they're four points, off, four points better off this season than they were at this stage last season, which isn't much, but when you consider the shambles it quickly went into under Woodgate, <laughs> it's very, very good. Got the joint second best defensive record in the division. Three clean sheets in the last four, <laughs> and players know what they're doing. Um, there's a, there's a game plan. Players are in their positions, and Neil Warnock's starting to get the best out of players like Tavernier, McNair, Savile, House, and Savile for the past two games, for for example, has been brilliant. Um, and as I say, it just highlights the the really good job that Warnock has done, and I think fans can start to enjoy watching Middlesbrough again. Yeah, Del Fry in particular really impressed me at this game. Mm. He's yeah. he's someone who's been linked with Premier League clubs for quite a few years now, but his performance has kind of drifted um, over the last six months or so. But he has under Neil Warnock, he seems to be someone who's really benefiting from having a Warney in charge. Uh, Borough unbeaten since the opening day, which has yeah. kind of gone on the radar. In their last five, they've picked up eleven points from a possible fifteen. It's all going very well for Warnie. Want to keep an eye on <laughs> uh, Coventry. Another troubling performance, though. They never really got going in this game, and <clears> they've now dropped into the bottom three. And the most worrying thing is, Justin, there aren't many signs of improvement on the horizon, are there? That's what I mean. Their, their forms hit a, it's dived over the last few weeks, and they've conceded goals very, very easily. And I think they're starting to be exploited. You know. It almost feels like there needs to be an asterisk against Coventry, uh, Wickham, and it was the other team that came up, Rotherham, Wickham. because oh, they, they came up. Yeah, because they they came up. Although Rotherham have been doing quite well, they 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 came up under a bit of a cloud with the um, the points per game system. So will the, will those teams have stayed in the automatics, for example? Who knows? Have we got a real picture? But but they're in the division. They're making a go of it. They recruited well, but it's just not working out at the moment. And they need to do something quick to avoid you know falling away yeah Mark Robbins has got a job on hasn't he to turn his side around quickly we thought they'd do quite well this season but they've now lost more games in the championship this season than they did throughout the whole of League mm-hmm. One last season admittedly it was curtailed earlier uh, early but still it's, it's not ideal for uh, Mark Robbins Bournemouth won Bristol City nil Arnott Jamjuma with the goal it means Jason Tindall's side are the closest to Reading at the top of the table and even though Bournemouth are unbeaten this season and a second Justin, I still think they're yet to reach top gear. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're sort of they're in third gear going up a bit of a hill, aren't they? Mm. You know, they're just trying not to sort of drop off so it stalls. This is very technical uh, if you don't drive. <laughs> um, and, and obviously, you don't you don't can't get into fourth gear because they won't get over the hill. Um, so yeah, they, they, they're not. They just haven't got going yet, and um, which is which is good because they're unbeaten, one four, drawn four. Um, but there's still a lot to come from this side, and you know we're, we're sort of really itching to see them attack with the freedom that we know that they can attack with. I love car analogies; <laughs> superb on this podcast. Um, but Bournemouth, yeah, I get your point. The thing is, what we were saying on Sunday's episode is. Uh, Bournemouth, they've got so much quality and depth, haven't they? And so many mm-hmm. big names in their squad that you get the feeling that once they do get up and running, they could be quite hard to stop. When you've got a, a Josh and a Josh King in your team, for example, and Dan Juma, who isn't as big a name as Josh King, admittedly, but he's one hell of a player. Yes, there's so many good players in this squad that should be playing at Premier League level, and 
on the bench as well. They've got Premier League players on the bench, which is just mental. And over the course of the <laughs> season, with the games coming thick and fast, I feel having a quality squad full of depth is going to be massive for Bournemouth. Um, but let's talk Bristol City, because I, I wouldn't say this was a bad performance from Dean Holden's boys, particularly in the first half when they were unlucky not to score, really. But it's not been a good seven days for Bristol City in general. Just one point from three games, and it's been made worse by the injury news from the past few days. Andy Vyman, Alfie Mawson, Stephen Sessegnon, all suffering long-term layoffs. It's sad to see after a good start, isn't it? It is, and I made a point to you the other day about it when, well, I think it was yesterday actually, when we spoke about it briefly, that they've been really unlucky with injuries over the past couple of seasons because oh, Callas got a long layoff, De Silva got a long layoff last season. And Fobe. these, yeah, a Fobe as well. These, yeah, it, it can derail a season. It, it really can, and you just hope it, it doesn't. But, you know, Bristol City have got enough good players in this team to, to overcome that. You just hope that they can, but no wins in four games isn't a great statistic and obviously the half of that Forest game that the, the the last win wasn't very good um but you know they they did they, they maybe deserve something against Bournemouth but at the end of the day they've got to they've got to start putting chances away because and creating chances creating more chances I should say actually because even that started to dwindle a little bit as well yeah it, they've got loads of depth haven't they Bristol City loads more than a lot of the teams in a similar position to them however mm. when you have players who well multiple players who have long-term injuries it's going to have an effect on the squad no matter how big it is isn't it unless it's ridiculously yeah. big like forests um but let's go let's move on justin because uh birmingham got their second win of the season after beating huddersfield 2-1 they also scored their first goal from open play which the birmingham official twitter account made a point of by atting us which mm-hmm. is yeah. nice of them, I think. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting performance because they only had 23% possession. Um, but when they actually had the ball, they created much better chances than Huddersfield. Uh, I have got to say that I'm still not particularly convinced by them. None more so than Scott Hogan in particular because his performances I'm very concerned about, Justin. His season so far was summed up perfectly by one big chance where he was through on goal, tried to hit it with his left foot and he sliced it wide. He made a real mess of it. He's someone who's always been a confidence player and it's quite clear that his confidence has completely deserted him. And when you're only playing one man up front like Karanka's doing, you can't have it be someone like Scott Hogan who's so out of form because otherwise you struggle going forwards as Birmingham have done so far. Um, they have got the likes of Lecco, who is a player I rate and I think will come good for Birmingham. But they've got Jukovic on the bench as well and he needs to come back into the side for me ASAP. I'm surprised he's not playing anyway really because he's someone who would suit Karanka's system more than Hogan, especially if he's playing alongside Lecco. So something needs to change there. But anyway, Blues have got Preston away next. And when you consider Preston's home form, I cannot predict predict which way that is going at all. <laughs> at all. Um, let's talk about Huddersfield because from their perspective, Justin, after a good run of form, it's two straight losses for Carlos Corbran's side. Is there a reason to be concerned, would you say? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I think I've seen enough of this Huddersfield team in a short, spe- in a short period of time that... Um, gives me a, a fair bit of confidence. You know, you look at the, the passes completion as you pointed out. Birmingham only had twenty three percent possession. Huddersfield had six hundred and seventy seven completed passes compared to Birmingham's one hundred and ninety seven, which is, which is, um, it's actually you know it speaks volumes of of Corbran's system. You know, 
they're, they're persisting with it and you know, the majority of them are short passes they're not long, they're not long balls at all um, but as I say I, I've, I've seen enough of, from this Huddersfield team to be quite content with you know it's, it's a bad run of form but um, I think they've got enough to st- stay away from the relegation zone I think they'll finish mid-table when I hear stats like that I just can't help but laugh it's just <laughs> so funny um, I, I would disagree with you I'm I think when you've got that much possession and you're only creating a handful of chances, there are reasons to be concerned. I'm not sold on the attackers, not at all. Um, but the rest of the side, I'll admit, is fairly good. They're better defensively than I was expecting them to be this season. Pippa is one player who I'm quite Brilliant. high on. Uh, Toflo, who we've mentioned loads of times before. So I'd say they have got a good base. It's just going forwards where I'm a bit concerned. But Brentford, they drew one all with Norwich thanks to a late deflected goal that's been credited to Kenny McLean, even though it was quite clearly going miles wide. Hmm. If, if, if it didn't deflect off the Brentford defender, I'm pretty sure it would have done a Ked of Sahur and hit the corner flag. But um, it's the fourth game in a row where Norwich have scored after the 85th minute. Not sure if that's a good habit to have, but they're getting points from it. Uh, the truth is Brentford really should have put this game to bed earlier it must be so frustrating as a Brentford fan when their side is consistently creating more chances than their opponents but the poor finishing is costing them points not from Ivan Tony though he scored again bringing his tally up to eight this season now Justin did you know that's his his, uh, 100th career league goal how he's still quite young isn't he yeah maybe maybe not um, league goals his 100th career goal if I had to guess I'd say he's 24 so 100 career goals before the age of 25 is pretty impressive very very good yeah yeah it does when I see how well he's done this season and how well he was doing with Peterborough before it does make me wonder why someone didn't pick him up before do you know what I mean it's an interesting conundrum I mean he was at Newcastle wanting he was being loaned out so just about everywhere yeah never really was nailed down at a certain club until Peterborough took him on and since there his career's just flourished hasn't it Norwich meanwhile unbeaten in four however as stated in Sunday's episode it's probably one of the most unconvincing runs ever and it was made even more convincing by this game when they really should have lost shouldn't they Justin yeah as you say Brentford created a lot of chances and you know with the help of a deflected goal Norwich are back in are back in it um, you know if it isn't for poor finishing and maybe poor form with that Brentford front three this game would have been put to bed a lot sooner and obviously Norwich themselves aren't creating as many clear cut chances as we, we're used to seeing them create I mean at championship level um, and obviously when they do get put through the finishing isn't convincing either um, and defensively again not quite convinced so I think in conclusion the Norwich team is just not convincing at all um, which is which is a shame because I predicted them to finish first, but um, you know it is what it is. I don't want to be one of those people who brags when they're right, uh, even though I'm not right. Yeah, we're still only what eight games into the season, but I was unconvinced by this Norwich side. One surprising thing about that was because one of the reasons why I was unconvinced by this Norwich side is because I was expecting Brendia to leave, but he's still there, and Cantwell for that matter. Those two have both played in the last four games, and I can't say Norwich have really created an abundance of chances, despite them having two playmakers who you'd have thought were Premier League quality. They were, they were both yeah. linked with Premier League sides, but they've mm-hmm. been relatively poor in the last four games. Norwich fans keep saying that they will get up and running soon and when they're in top form 
the championship isn't ready for them. I'm not too sure that they're in the uh, right state of mind for that, but we'll see. Martin Waggon scored another beautiful free kick, Justin, but that was cancelled out by Kiefer Moore as Derby and Cardiff drew 1-0. And then finally, Luton won, Forest won. A rather drab game. Can't really argue either side deserving more than a point in that. No, just a quick one on that red card. That wasn't a red card for the Forest left-back, Ayanu. Ayanu, yeah. I saw it and it seemed like he went in a bit hard. It seemed like one of those that when you watch it in real time, it looks worse than it actually was. No, it's, it's, his studs have gone over the ball slightly. But that referee was in charge of the um, Bournemouth-Watford game at the weekend when he should have given a red card out to Billing and Kelly. So maybe he's been told to have a look at these challenges. Yeah, I if think I'm, he needs to I'm be gonna, told to have a look again. Yeah, if I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist. Justin Peach, the conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Let's do a quick Who Knows Wins update, Justin. This is where you can win big money by correctly guessing the results in the championship. All you need to do is download the app, have a look for our leagues and enter to be in with a chance of winning. That's who knows wins. Make sure you get involved. The jackpot from the midweek games was £99 and there was only one person who won it this week. That's Stephanie. She got five correct results out of six, which isn't bad going, is it? Mm. So she takes down the whole jackpot. So well done, Stephanie. I got two right this week. Disappointing but we go again, Justin. Yeah. Uh, so all you need to do is just make sure you enter this weekend's league. There's a link to it in the description of this episode. Or you can join by downloading the Who Knows Wins app and finding us on there. Make sure you get involved and you could be on the receiving end of a hell of a lot of cash. Justin, just before we go, we are taking part in Movember. Justin, tell us more. So as Ryan has just told you, Ryan and I are going to be raising some cash. Um, we're aiming to raise a minimum of £350. That's our minimum. We want to get more. Okay. Um, and obviously it's for November. The the face of men's health. Their, their work in mental health uh, and suicide prevention, uh, as well as testicular and pro, uh, prostate cancer awareness, has never been more important. Um, but we want to encourage everyone to have a go. Even if you aren't raising money, um, just grow your tash. When someone asks you about your tash, you're doing your bit. No matter how bad your tash is, you're doing your bit. Um, but... I'm not just growing my moustache, I'm also running 60 kilometres throughout the month of November, um, which after 12 months off with a knee injury is quite a test. Mm. So donate, get involved and please get talking. Yeah, make sure you get involved. We'll put a link to um, the uh, fundraising page in the description of our episodes. Have we got a fundraising page yet or do we actually have to wait until it's November? No, we do have a fundraising page. There's a QR code as well, so I'll put that on the website so it's quite easy to donate. Yeah, lovely. Well, make sure you get involved. Movember, we, I think everyone knows what Movember is now, isn't it? It's a great cause. It's doing great things for men's mental health and uh, cancer as well. A really great charity and hopefully everyone can uh, get behind it. Right, let's round up this episode, Justin. Uh, thank you for your time today. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday when we'll have the usual episode. We'll go through all the games, the news from the past week as well. Uh, Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. It's going to be a right blast, isn't it, Justin? It always is. It always is. It always is. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks. I'm Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.
Polaša. Ali bol. Jeden. <laughs>